Hello, 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 hello. Oh, you stole it. You got in there before me. <laughs> hello, 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 hello. And welcome to the Shooting Zars Premier League podcast, episode 10 of season two, I believe. Hello, Alex. Hello, Bryce. How are we both? Short match with you as well. Massive weekend. 10 episodes in. I feel like we should get like a commemorative plaque or something yeah, on the wall. Or I think that's a good shout. Build them up and see how many we, we have any trophy makers in the uh, listenership. You know yeah, where we are. Let us know. Yeah. Shooting.zars.podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we also have Instagram and Twitter at Zars Shooting on Twitter and at Shooting Zars on Instagram, Bryce. We were able to get the Shooting Zars handle on Instagram and I was pretty chuffed about that. Yeah. Subscribe, like us, do all that sort of stuff. Big show ahead. Make sure you stick around. Bryce and I had a chat with GWS Giants star midfielder Stephen Cornelio, but massive weekend of Premier League action. I've come away from this weekend of... EPL football, and I can't believe actually how many talking points there are. It's brilliant. I think it's really refreshing that we don't have to talk about Jose and Pogba this I mean, week. it's kind of nice that although United beat Newcastle, which we'll get into very shortly, it's kind of nice that they've won, and the focus isn't on the fractured relationship. It's on football. And it's actually on other teams playing well and other yeah. big footballing moments, yeah, yeah. i.e. Riyad Mahrez missing the penalty. Ballooned it. And to start us off, because I think that's probably the biggest talking point yeah. out of the weekend, should Riyad Mahrez have taken that pen? Much debate about it. suppose when it comes to when at Mars, we'll just not quite have it. They're playing with 10 half the time with Mesut Ozil in their team. The worst thing you can ever be thrown at your own team or think of them as being bullied and being weak. Maybe that's, that's as good as it gets for them. Okay, it would have got better if Sergio Aguero was on the pitch. We know that. Yeah, but it's it's a funny one. Mahrez had the confidence to take it after Van Dyke lunged in and brought down Sane. Um, definite pen for me. It was just a clumsy challenge, uncharacteristic. But Mahrez took it off Jesus. You saw that. He goes up to Jesus. Jesus has the ball and he takes it off him and goes for it. And it rose Ed. Mm. It was an absolute shocker of a pen. But both of them don't have good... Records. I think Mares has now, missed four and scored two. Well, he's now missed his last five out of eight why in the, in is the he, Premier League. Why is he even in the mix then? Because um, Guardiola supposedly there you go, rates yeah. him. This is what he had to say about because it. Because I am the training sessions. I see him every day training penalties and this. He gave me a lot of confidence. Uh, will be a good experience for him. Next time, we'll go in. It better. What do you reckon, Al? Yeah, look, he's fluffed it, hasn't he? Um, he obviously had the confidence, or he felt he had the confidence to to stick it away. And he's he's look, he scored three goals since he's been at Man, Man City, and he's not had that much playing time. So yeah, I feel a bit sorry on Jesus. Um, I would have rather. Oh, you cut him cut him off again? Wrong one. He was <laughs> he was not happy. Jesus was in. You could see Pep went over on the pitch and apologised to him because it was his decision, Pep, to choose Ramirez. Yeah, it's just very unfortunate for them, but overall. Do you reckon the nil-nil was a fair result? Yeah, the parts, the bits of the game that I saw, I didn't watch it all, but yeah, it wasn't that exciting. I was actually watching it in the car on the way back from the airport, and yeah, it wasn't too enthralling. It was yeah, not what you expect from a, a City Liverpool game. You, the past few years have been goal fest, even dating back to Brendan Rodgers' kind of years. It was just absolute some absolute crackers in there, and I just think 
despite the score, I thought it was actually quite entertaining. I think it was even possession stats. Um, both had two shots on target. Liverpool just edged them out with seven shots to six shots in total. But I feel Liverpool looked quite leggy, and I know they played in the Champions League, but so did City. They've had Chelsea the past couple of games. I just think Liverpool look a bit tired, and Klopp said that in his post-match interview. And you look back four as well with Lovren coming in, and poor Trent Alexander-Arnold mm. on his birthday dropped to the bench. Yeah, was it? Yeah, too much birthday cake. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Too early doors. Yeah, not good for those fantasy players looking to pick up that extra million between Robertson and Alexander-Arnold. That's go, it. Go on now. I think I think out of the two managers, I think. Guardiola will come out more pleased, obviously picking a w- an away point um, up, and I think it just shows that he's he is a masterclass, and I think that City have struggled, obviously at, at Anfield in recent years, and I think you said earlier off air, Bryce, that they've what was the stat? They haven't won at Anfield in over fifteen years, and well, so just go. to put that in perspective for you, Ler- Leroy Sane would have been seven. Ronaldo was yet to make his debut for United, but most importantly, it was the year that R. Kelly released Ignition and Chingy released Right Thur. Massive change. <laughs> Tune. <laughs> yeah. Dropping the bank and shooting stars. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, I think I think it just it shows that Guardiola can adapt and and can prevent Liverpool from playing, you know, free flowing football. And I think he did. He definitely. You know, it was a tactical masterclass, some might say. And it's the best result for the league, don't you think? Yeah. You've got three teams, Chelsea, Liverpool and City, yeah, all, all undefeated top. on yeah. 20 points leading into the international break. And the teams below them, Spurs are two points outside. Yeah, and Arsenal as well. And then you've got Bournemouth four points off top. It's just, the le- it is actually shaping a out banging season so far. The thing with Liverpool in this one, I guess they're at home and they the onus of the match was taken away from them. I think City took it to Liverpool away. And as you'd expect, I mean, Man City, Man City, there's no denying that. But, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest takeaway. Man City bossed the game and sort of played it on yeah. their terms, even though it was a very even match, as we've said. And a lot of teams have done that in no, recent years. No, they were able to sort of, in the post-match, I was listening to both presses and um, Guardiola was saying that it was about taking, he has labelled Liverpool the best counter-attacking team in the world and has said that that's what it was about. It was about taking away their counter-attacking options so Man City definitely went in with different tactics and weren't looking to play champagne football the whole match and beat them and you know kicked them off the park in that manner they were just going to suck the life out of them in the way don't yeah, he knows his footy old Pep and he just continues to show that in this league and across I mean he's done it in the Bundesliga and in Spain he's won the lot so I mean you can never doubt that bloke so no. I think, and I think I'm, I'm quite scared of City and what they're capable of now especially with KDB nearing a return I think I read the other day one of the Man City players, it might have been Leroy Sane, mm. actually came out and said um, how good Pep is and, and everything he says about the opposition He's always on. comes true. Like, he, he must just study study them inside and out. And just imagine hearing that as a player and then it happening. I know, and the so confidence, confidence you can take into a game. Because yeah. it does, it, that that plays a massive effect. When you, when you know your role and you know your job, it makes it so much easier and... You, you're playing with that freedom and that confidence to do whatever you want. Just go on, you go. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing as a player. Is if you go out knowing your role completely, you don't have to worry about that on the pitch because you already know what you're doing. You just have to worry about when you get the ball, you already know where to be. And you've got that freedom, like you said, and confidence. Do you think that's the key to getting results yeah, and being confident think, yeah, obviously getting the, to the, the best abilities out there? Yeah, the preparation is really important. You can't go out there and just and win games off yeah. the cuff. Don't get me wrong, with good players you'll win like that, but you won't win consistently like they've they've done over the, over recent years and I think that 
the preparation and the planning that obviously goes into their games and and what have you is the detail they would oh, take yeah, would be like un- said, unbelievable. Yeah, the detail and obviously the analyzers. They've they've got the facilities and they've got yeah. the the people. They got the, the work, you know the workforce to do that. So that helps. But yeah, they they do it really well. Just mm. quickly going back to the very quickly, I just want the players' point of view here. Have you ever been in a situation where maybe there's been a dispute over a penalty between players in the manner that potentially Mares and Jesus are having it because Jesus is apparently is not happy about it. Um, yeah, and he actually said it publicly. Obviously, I'm not happy as Riyad. Um, I've been t- practicing penalties. I would like to have taken it. I was confident, so I was not happy that they did not allow me to do it. So he's come out and said this in an interview. So, what do yeah, you re- what do you reckon? I, I'm not a penalty taker, so I'm I never really get involved in those kind of arguments. But yeah, I've se- I've seen it before. I think it happened maybe last year or the year the season before with Castro and Keo. I think Castro missed a couple and. And Keogh felt that he should be taking the penalties. I think he had a better record in the past. So, you know, it's Natural. sometimes it sometimes it comes to the players, and sometimes the the uh, the manager will pick it. You know, it's um, I don't know. It's whoever has got the loudest voice or whoever picks the ball up first and won't <laughs> give it back. It's, it's a huge psychological things. thing as well. As soon as someone's going to pick up and taking it, in their mind they're like, "I'm getting this goal." And if it gets taken off them, the pl- there's so much more pressure on the person that's taken it away. I witnessed it this season. We played Phoenix, and the guy t- literally had a five-minute argument. And the guy who got taken off walked off the pitch. The, the guy then missed the penalty. Mm. And it just it puts you under the cosh completely for the rest of the game. Mm. It's it's got to be one that the coach knows, you know, and it's it's clean. Mm. Otherwise, it's going to be a shocker, as we've seen a couple of times. Yeah. All right. To finish off Man City Liverpool. A couple of Liverpool takeaways here. Why isn't Naby Keita starting, Bryce? I heard his back against Napoli he had a back spasm. Right. And went straight to hospital after the game in Naples. So he's. Uh, it was. I think it was just more of a precaution kind of thing that he didn't start and Hendo slotted in. I'd well, prefer. I'd prefer to see him playing over Milner and Henderson in the middle. I think know? Milner's got to stay in there because of the I, season he's I been having. But yeah, Henderson's the one who'll probably be grateful for the. For Kate's back injury, for I'd sure. I agree, yeah, for sure. So that's Liverpool winless in four. Salah another blank. Um, as you mentioned, they're probably a bit tired, and Klopp's been saying that in the media. Is that an excuse? We we'll have to wait and see. But I think it is. Bit of a dip in form at the moment for Liverpool. Yes, we actually had a, a listener, Angus Grant, no relation to uh, Alex Grant, uh, <laughs> of course. But um, he asked about if this is excuses from Klopp mm. now creeping into his post-match stuff, and I th- I'm. We've got the audio here and we're going to listen to it later on, but it's just, it's kind of creeping in and it's just, I'm not used to hearing this kind of stuff from Klopp. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how Liverpool react over the next few weeks. Is it, is it slightly overprotective? You know what I mean? Because I think that can have a detrimental effect on the player sometimes, you know, when he's, because then he'll feel sorry for himself, you know, and I think because of the season he'd had previous, um, he might think he can slack off slightly. I know probably he won't. But you know, but that, it creates that, that, that excuse in, in his yeah, head. That, yeah, that, yeah. That, that excuse, like you yeah. said. He's, he's not preaching the old Ross line anywhere anytime, is he, <laughs> Jurgen Klopp? All right, Liverpool, Man City, nil all draw. The two best teams in the league can't score goals. So when they play each other, a bit of a tussle. A bit of those ones you wish that it was a bit of an open game. But anyway, Manchester United um, got away with one, I think, to be honest. Newcastle leading 2 0. 70 minutes of the match, they're up 2 0. And then. As the big teams do, they come for you, and the little teams crumble sometimes. And it would have been Newcastle's first win there in nearly 40 years or something like that uh, at Old Trafford. But Alex, you know, what are your thoughts, mate? You're, yeah, a, you're a United fan. I'm a, also a Newcastle United fan. Manchester United versus Newcastle United. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I think 
it was 1970, or they've won once since 1972 at Old Trafford, Newcastle. Um, So, yeah, picking up a win there would have been amazing for them, especially with them still not picking up three points in any of the... So we've still got two points. The first games, yeah, they're struggling, aren't they, Newcastle? But I think, look, Mourinho was under the cosh. Um, Obviously, his job was on the line. We Uh, saw that pre-game with his water bottle splash to the camera. Yeah. Yeah, look, Gary Neville had a massive rant after the Friday night game with regards to Mourinho and and Man United and slated the club pretty much um, and said how disappointed he was um, with the backroom staff and how everything's been handled and it's all stemmed from the David Moyes and Louis van Gaal era as well where their um, dismissals were leaked in the media earlier and van Gaal was um, sacked the night of a FA Cup final. Let's give some context. So there was a report that came out on Friday for those who may not have seen it and it essentially it was saying that Jose Mourinho was going to be sacked after the weekend's game. So the weekend just gone irrespective of the fact whether he beat United, Manchester United had got a result against Newcastle. So even the report said if Man U had won, Mourinho would be removed. But United have won and he has not been removed yet. Well, yeah, Gary Neville went on to say that um, the club themselves need to take a look at themselves pull their finger out yeah and and look there comes a point where the people higher than the manager need to look at themselves and and think are they doing the right job because they're the ones obviously employing the manage the managers picking the managers have they got the right players in pl- people in place sorry to to uh to find those managers and the right people to fit into that job and and gary neville questioned that and obviously with him being a passionate man united fan ex-player it was um yeah he was really passionate in what he said and i think it really hit home but yeah going to the performance Mourinho, we threw everything at it when they went 2-0 down made some great substitutions all three of them completely changed the game i mean he drags by after what 18 minutes or so when and that's crazy but that just shows you i think how ruthless he is yeah well. and, and how under pressure he is he feels that he's gonna he had to do it's it it's crunch time yeah. it is yeah and i think the fix the next five fixtures are all tough um so it was they needed a win they got booed off at half time obviously got flipped on its head um great second half performance um, it was like the Man United of old. They just showed no fear and they just went at it and I think that's just the way they've got to approach it. Well, the they next. did in the second half. It took them a half to click Well, that's what gear. I'm saying. Yeah, the second half when they came out, they had no fear. Um, I don't know what was said at half-time, but it did the job. Um, Matt came on and, and did well. Um, got the ball rolling with a free kick. A lovely free kick as well. I felt like yeah. the keeper could have done a bit better with it, but was a good free kick. And then Pogba as well, showing his class, providing another assist for, for Martial which was a great finish. Oh, and then Sanchez, yeah. great goal. And Sanchez coming on and getting the winner. A player, it's funny really, isn't it? Because Sanchez has not really been in favour with Mourinho, yet he comes on and you could say, argue, he saved his job for another weekend. Do you know what I mean? And Same with Massa and Martial and Pogba, all players that have been criticised. Exactly. So I I think it's, is it too late for Mourinho? I, I don't know. I think that's a question on everyone's lips. Me personally, I'd like to see him there. I'd like to see him stay. I said this on the last pod that I still think the manager, he's bigger than all the players there. He has, he's the one in control. Um, I want to see him there till the end of the season for sure. And I think if there's players who are toxic in that environment, then they're the ones That's that need guy. to get I th- off. I think a win like that, especially like 2-0 down, 3-2 up, like says more about 
that squad then maybe just a 3-0 win if you know what I mean like for them to come back and rally in a half and score three goals 90th minute winner under all this pressure and all this discontent and all this these issues around the squad that aren't together for them to pull off a performance that shows how together they are and how together they can be says more about the situation there than I think yeah I think it, it a showed standard a, win would have yeah I mean, it's one of those things if they won 3-0 you can't write off with like, oh Newcastle or rubbish exactly. you wouldn't be talking about this fixture as much but the fact that they came back showed they had the ticker in the fight yep. for the badge which Neville and Ferdinand have kind of been questioning at the players of Absolutely. late so I think it's one of those results that could possibly galvanise the squad who knows this could be their big result but I'm just getting their fixtures up now they got Chelsea away then Juventus Everton Bournemouth who are flying Juve again and then City away so it's a huge next month coming up for them so that was incredibly important for Jose because he Big could time. not get four results exactly he um, gave another interesting post-match press conference or interview um, yeah take a listen to this this one it was Jose Mourinho being Jose Mourinho. I cope with it and, and I survive. I'm mature, I'm a big boy. But clearly some of the boys, uh, Marcos Rashford was, was, was sad on the pitch. Uh, Scott McTominay was scared on the pitch. Um, and even all the players, they, 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 they commit mistakes that, that are not normal. What do you think, Al? I think it's a bit harsh going in for the young players. Um, See, that, that, that's what I don't understand with Mourinho. You, you've got your win. Talk about the positives. He's still pulling out negatives, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He, he's just his nature, he's dragging off it? players there. And, and young players, not experienced players, who you know who have taken that criticism in the past. These are McTominay. He's played a handful of games in the Premier League. In wrong positions as well. Exactly. He's, uh, he's, he's asked him to fill in at centre-half. And they've, and they've still got the result. Look, Rashford's still young, still a raw talent who isn't playing consistently, hasn't got the f- consistent form, but he scored a goal last week. He's done a job for Man United in the past. He will continue to do a job for Man United when, with years to come. I think it's really harsh, especially with a two-week break, putting that, planting something like that in a young player. They're going and they're going away to an international break now, talking about yeah. the situation at the club. You'll just smell that over now. Mm. It's a whole whole break, but I just think. As a player at United, I really wouldn't listen to his post-match comments anymore. I just focus on your job and focus on what he says on the training track because it's just like after a big uh, after a win such as that, and you'd le- be and confident, you'd be feeling good, and then to hear that afterwards, you'd be like, oh blimey, like mm. back to square one kind of thing mentally. Unless Mourinho's literally going up to them and going, I'm going to go and say this to the completely media. shock everybody. Like yeah. if he's that smart and he's that forward thinking, then that- fair play to him. But I don't know if that would happen. That's a stupid remark. That is it though? But I think it is, mate. I don't think a manager would ever do that to a player. Yeah, but you never know. They talk about this guy having being the best at mind games for how many years now. I couldn't imagine him doing that. I really couldn't. I, I just think... Hey, it's just an option. All I'm saying is for him to be playing... Look, they're still performing, aren't they? Rashford scored, as you say. He's still in form. He's slagging him off, whatever. But you never know what Mourinho's like. This, look, there's planting rumours in the, in the media, yeah, but to criticise a player. Do you think the the player was then going to turn around and... <laughs> yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah <laughs> fine. Slag me off in the media. That's fine. Like, I just, I can't see that happening. All right, well, there you go. Manchester United, Jose Mourinho, writing the headlines again, but good because they got a win and it's not all about Paul Pogba and him. Uh, just quickly, apparently Zanadiza Dan isn't interested in coming to England and that whole yeah. United rumour has been quashed by his agent. Again, is that another seed being planted? I don't really trust anyone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, anymore, that's the thing. From transfer rumours to manager rumours, I think we've learned over the years of following football that it's just best to just wait until something gets confirmed. No, but I think it's just gotten worse over the past year. Oh, big time. <laughs> Especially this oh, year. Yeah. I just 
that. Ridiculous rumours. So, yeah, apparently he's not interested in coming to the UK. Oh, well, enjoy the break, Zinedine. Yes, very much so. Okay, Chelsea, they have the best player in the league, no doubt about it, Eden Hazard. Um, Bryce, you put your hand up there. You want to say something? Go. It was a it was a good game to watch at St Mary's. Um, the Saints should have been ahead 1-0, actually, at the start. Um, Ings missed a guilt-laden chance from about two yards out. It was probably, oh, it was probably harder to miss that. Yeah. He just kind of got his lines crossed, should have headed it. From, yeah, and then... To be fair, that was their only clear-cut chance of the game, I think, for the Saints. And um, then it was just Sari ball in full effect. You had Hazard once again coming to the party and opening the scoring, making it seven goals from eight Premier League games. Um, and I think one of the high points that we've discussed is seeing Ross Barkley on the pitch and doing well. It was only his fifth start since moving from the Toffees last January. And he managed to get an assist for Hazard's goal and then finish the second off second goal off himself. He did really well. So I think it was it was great to see a player that's kind of fallen by the wayside a bit in recent times and a young English midfielder kind of come back up and do a job. It was great to see. Mm. No, definitely. And what Hazard's now scored seven in eight in league in the yeah. league and he's at this point last season he had scored one in eight. So Yeah, and then you got you got Marata who's been you know They're bashed all in recent times. I mean he scored it in the Europa League and he was almost in tears at how relieved he was and you could see it etched across his face again this time. He was just so just thank God. Yeah. Like, he needs that confidence, so I was happy for him as well. Hazard with the assist as well. Um, here's what Maurizio Sarri, the manager, had to say on Eden Hazard, and we'll get to what Eden Hazard said in his post-match as well, which was really interesting. This is what Sarri said about Hazard's form. I think that uh, in the past, we, had ne- we have never seen uh, the 100% of Hazard. Now he is improving. But I think that uh, he can do better. Is that just uh, a manager being too harsh, Al? Yeah, a little. Or is that just him just trying to bait him a little bit more? Gene him up. Yeah, probably. Yeah, just trying to big him up. It's a bit sure. rich from all Ritz, isn't I th- it? No, I think, yeah. it, I think it's good because he doesn't... Yes, Hazard's been amazing. And he can say, and in the way he's talking, he goes, yes, he's been good and all that, but he hasn't been 100%. I think that's a bit of an incentive for Hazard. He goes, yeah, I can reach another level. I can get better and better. And I think you need that as a player, hmm. especially someone of his abilities. I mean, we've seen in the past, he's, he's had those dips in form, but it just, this seems to be, this could be his big season, yeah. his biggest one Dip yet. in form with Mourinho. Yeah, that's it. But he's just an absolute joy to watch at the moment. He just moseys in and out of the game and just, Across each wing and through the middle, he just ties everything he's together. Been, he's he's definitely been given that, watch. that free roll exactly. across the front three, yeah. which has you know Crucial. allowed him to to express express himself and and show us what he can do and what he's capable of, and which he's shown in the past. So yeah, it's, it's great for the league. It's it's great to see. Um, yeah, just going back to Ross Barker as well. I think it's really good for him. Um, Big time. You know, a, a player who was tipped probably to be the next best thing coming out of Everton. Got the move to Chelsea, and, and I, I always question that when when English players go to big clubs, I always think they'll struggle because they're always overshadowed by big foreign signings, and and it, they do find it hard hard to fit in. And and when we played Chelsea in pre-season at Glory here in Perth, um, he was one of the standout players in my eyes in that game, and and did play very well. And but obviously, you look at the players that Chelsea have got, and you Jorginho, can understand why Fabregas, he's not played. Yeah. And but it's it's great to see that he's he's turning a corner and he's been given the opportunity on the Sarri, and that he he can pl- well we know he can play well in the Premier League. He's just being given the opportunity to do so. Well, his direct competition in that team is Kovacic, who has been playing probably starting more games this season in the league, especially. And but um, Barkley was in place of Kovacic in that match, so 
And he got an assist. Yeah. So it's what it's one of those things when you've got someone on loan for just a year, you want to make use of that. And obviously, when you take someone on loan, there's that onus on the club to play, play him for it to be beneficial for both clubs. Especially and giving away Courtois in the manner they did. Exactly. For the price they you did. You really want to be getting something out of this. So yep. I feel it's it's creates a tough situation for Barkley but um, but he's taken the opportunity he did got with both hands and credit to him alright we've got a lot coming up on the podcast final word on Chelsea before we get to our interview with Stephen Canelio which is a very funny conversation then we're going to cover off the rest of the weekend including Arsenal after that Eden Hazard in his post-match came out and said this about his future at Chelsea he said Real Madrid is the best club in the world I don't want to lie. It is my dream since I was a kid. We will see. I don't want to talk about this every day. I don't have time, but we'll talk. But we will talk about my future soon. In my head, sometimes I wake up in the morning and think I want to go. Sometimes I want to stay. It's a hard decision. It is my future. I am 27 and I will turn 28 in January. It is also when you have a dream and you want to make it happen. It is like I've said a lot of times. If I leave, I'll be happy. I know if I stay, I'll be happy. Okay, my initial read is that's a come and get me call from... Eden Hazard to River Madrid. What do you think, Alex? Pretty much. <laughs> Look, I think he's he's already been. Look, he has already been rumored to go to Real Madrid, and they are the biggest club in the world. Um, and obviously, they can sign whoever they want, whenever exactly. they want. Pretty much, especially with Ronaldo going as well. That yeah. they need someone for him. And uh, yeah, you, you can see that. If there. he scores forty goals this year, he's going to have to go because Real Madrid what haven't scored in six hours or something ridiculous at the minute. And he's I, done can't, it all I can't Chelsea. see Hazard yeah. being that player. Um, I see him scoring goals for violence this, but I, I just can't see him getting to that level. Being that prolific? Of, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. All right. He won't reach his 100% as Sari is uh Yeah, I, 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 just, yeah I just can't see it. But, you know, I hope he proves me wrong because I do like him a lot. He's a great player. Great character as well. Yeah. Apparently yeah. there's more in the tank as well, according to Sari, which is uh, scary, scary for <laughs> everybody. All right, here comes Stephen Cornelio, the chat we had with him. Bryce and I did that one, and then we'll be talk, covering off Arsenal and then some other interesting talking points. Harry Kane versus Neil Warnock, Wolves, and the Cherries are all doing amazing things. And did you see Gilfie Sigerson's goal? Hi, guys. It's Stephen Cornelio here from the GWS Giants, and you're listening to the Shooting Zars podcast. So on the line now is someone you may not expect to be hearing on the Shooting Zars podcast, Bryce, is he's actually an AFL footballer. However, he's someone who follows the game very closely and has been kind enough to join us tonight. CWS Giants star midfielder Stephen Canelio. Thanks for your time today, mate. No, no worries, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Now, I guess for the listeners, obviously this is a soccer podcast, as I said, so maybe paint a picture for the listeners as uh, you're, you, know, you follow the game closely. Um, and yeah, just let listeners know, I guess, who you go for and that sort of thing. Yeah, look, pretty much just put with my European background. My mum's um, obviously English side of the family, and dad being um, Italian, um, sort of. I've uh, been a massive Juventus fan for yeah, a very long time, as long as I sort of can remember. Um, just sort of my dad's side of the family, obviously, always going for them and growing up in Perth, following Perth glory pretty closely. But um, you know, especially when when the when the Prem was on Fox Sports, sort of growing up most weekends, I spent watching uh, Portsmouth or Pompey for. A lot of the um, guys out there listening that know a bit about him, so <laughs> um, there was some, some, there were some good years and and just in recent times some not so good ones, but um, but some fond memories nonetheless. Yes, yeah, so obviously Alex isn't here with us tonight, but he, we said off air, we'll say it again. He was an ex Portsmouth band, as we said on the podcast. I'm sure he was stuck to hear that you're a Portsmouth fan. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be go. well happy with that, isn't he? So we'll get into the Bianconeri now, Stephen. They're they're on fire again this campaign, but what have you made of their season so far? 
yeah, I think it's obviously been focused around Ronaldo a lot of the time, and um, he you know, had been in different form. With, with obviously couldn't get a goal for for a couple of games, but I think all in all, it's been a interesting start. I think a lot of the other teams around them probably um, expected to to get off to a fire, particularly into it. Haven't quite worked for him, but yeah. I think Juventus have just you know um, you know haven't quite got it right sort of with the forwards or, or strikers besides probably Mandzukic but so far when, you, when you're winning games and you're not playing your best it's, it's still a good sign so happy days at the moment yeah it's that championship quality winning games even when you're not playing at your best and obviously we know your trademark celebration when you're scoring on the footy field is the Dybala uh, talk yeah. us through why he is your you know favourite at the at Juve um, pretty much actually yeah, when, when he first got there I just, I just liked the way he played um like the way just 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 the look of him, the way he sort of um, scored. He started doing the, he started doing the mask, and then I remember going <laughs> over to um, I remember going over to Italy um, with my little brother. We were going around Europe, and then uh, I went to obviously Juventus Stadium to watch a game. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't score in that, but I tagged him in a post. <laughs> I was up and uh, and he and he, he liked the photo. Ooh, that's <laughs> he. That's gold. Uh, liked the photo, and so I was always on him from that day. And, um, <laughs> Uh, he's since unliked it, but I've got the screenshot anyway to prove Oh, that. what? <laughs> How? Why would you go back and unlike something? I just don't, don't understand the thinking behind that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he was running it with someone else, but um, oh. I've got the screenshot anyway. But yeah, I just sort of him and then um, I obviously read, read the sort of meaning behind the mask and when I was uh, injured for, for, for a period of time last year, I was... Uh, I remember I was in hospital and uh, like I was in, you know, obviously pain coming out of surgery. And I yeah. said to my little brother, we're watching the events game actually at the time. I said to my little brother, I said, when um, when I come out, every goal I score for the rest of the year, I'll start. I'll do the mask. And he said, yeah, done. So perfect. Um, and it's sort of stuck ever since. Yeah. Now, now, Steve, I was um, in August actually. Oh, late August, I was over in Sydney doing a bit of stuff, and I actually went to a Giants training. It was an open training session in the finals. And I saw you actually practicing the Ronaldo celebration with another man. So you're, you're really working your way through the Juventus players. Broadening up the repertoire now. Yeah, I got, I got, I got a few um, few tweets about it um, sort of towards the back end of the year saying, um, obviously, with Ronaldo signing for Juventus, can you whip it out? Um, I said to the boys, if, if, we, if we can make it all the way, um, I'll whip it out in, in the granny, but that didn't eventuate, and uh, Lewis Jettis beat me to it. Yeah, he stole <laughs> your thunder there, didn't he? Yeah. No, good on him. It was good. I liked it. You're going to have to let him know on the field next season. But obviously, it's been a massive off-season for Juventus, bringing in the biggest name in the game, Cristiano Ronaldo. What did you make of the signing? Did you expect the signing? What have you? What have you? What have? What are your thoughts with Ronaldo and your team now? No, I, d- I d- definitely didn't expect it, um, and, and not being biased or anything, but I thought. Um, I thought he actually would would leave, and I just thought Juventus would have been a good fit for him. Um, just obviously with the rise of the Bianconeri, in, in particular, the last five years coming back from um, you know a couple of couple of you know tough years um, with the, with the scandal. But I just thought it just made sense. So he sort of conquered the EPL. I didn't yeah. think he'd go back there. No. Um, it'd be you know it's obviously a tough league for him at, at his age. I, I couldn't see him going to PSG, particularly with their with their young talent. And then. And it just made, yeah, it made sense. I knew sort of uh, it was either him just wanting a new contract in Madrid with a high wage, or he was actually serious about leaving. And um, I thought it was great. I thought the, the way they the Juventus handled it and and the way they sort of kept it away from the media and, and released it was class. Yeah, um, it's, it's one of those rare times where they actually keep that rumor from spilling out months in advance. They did quite well with that. We all scoffed at it here on the podcast. Yeah, genuinely laughed at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but um, I just think it's good not only for 
for like for, for the football. Obviously, the, the goals will come, and hopefully, you know, some more trophies to come off the back of it. I think just for Juventus in general to put them back on the map as you know one of the sort of leading clubs in the world, which they probably have their, their footballers showing that, but now they've got the sort of marketing and the background stuff to go with it. Are you going to buy a Ronaldo shirt? I got it as soon as it came out. Oh, oh mate, happy days! Get the home yeah. one or what? I went. Oh, luckily, luckily, it was my brother's, my brother, one of my brother's birthdays around that time, so I made sure I just put um, two in the quantity and, and got myself. <laughs> Perfect, straight away. Um, and then yeah. just we well, just touched upon the marketing side of things with Ronaldo. He obviously brings that huge present and monetary value to a club. So, do you think with Juve now this? It, this is a huge step into putting you guys on the map as being in the same conversations with the Real Madrids and Barcelonas? Yeah, I think so. I think um, there's obviously the, there's, there's numbers to back up. Um, you know, since he's got to the club, with particularly social media and obviously you know money and obviously sponsors that have that have come off the back of who's signing. But I just think it it makes other clubs as well around the world now. Um, you know they have they have been able to sign some you know some quality players in the last couple of years. You know Douglas Costa and, and Dybala, who was obviously young and up and coming, but it's now it's now like a club that you know people want to be at, uh, and guys don't want to leave. So you saw that in the, in the transfer period. Just then with Higuain ended up going to mm. you know AC Milan. Whether he yeah. wants to go or not is a, in a different story, but um, it's now you know becoming one of those clubs again. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's always funny those. In the Serie A, I feel like the loyalties between Inter, AC and Juve, they can people yeah. can just change clubs yeah, like it's no bother. It's yeah. quite interesting that. But I mean, another former, got a former Juve man in Paul Pogba continues to make headlines in the Premier League for, I'd say, the wrong reasons so far at United. But what do you make of the whole saga between uh, him and Mourinho? Yeah, it's interesting sort of, well, well I guess coming from like, AFL and, and you guys would know it's... Um, the players, the players over there probably have a bit more weight in terms of um, their standing at the club. You know, yeah. here, here you'd just be sort of dropped to the bench and, and it wouldn't get played or play, you know, play reserves. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I would actually love to see him. I don't mind him having his own opinion. I just think his form needs to be a little bit better to back it up. And um, you know, what's what's going on with him and Mourinho? Obviously, isn't reflecting well with, with fans and 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 actually form of the team. Um, I still think he's a you know, obviously one of the better players in the world and has a, uh, you know, when he's playing well, can actually be, you know, their barometer for their team. So I think as soon as he sort of turns his form around consistently week in, week out, then um, their form will come. Who do you, are you sick of Mourinho like Bryce and I are? <laughs> <laughs> I actually love it. <laughs> I love just watching the press conferences. Um, I, yeah, I just love how he's grumpy and, and everyone else is sort of flying and happy at the moment. So you need someone in that category. Yeah, yeah he's, just, he's of... just dominating the headlines at the moment. He's, every week. Yeah, I know. He loves the media, doesn't he? But have you, yeah. you saw those videos between um, Pogba and Mourinho, have you, at training where they're talking about how he's Pogba did yeah. that Instagram post and everything? What did you make of that? And is that something that do you think the coaches in the AFL look at as well, a bit of the social media from the players? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is when you look at the, sort of the two codes and, and, and the, the sort of spectrum they're on um, over there in, in Europe, and, and they're following off the back of that. If you, uh, be, be dangerous sort of to, to do that in, um, you know, in Australia, and obviously, yeah. um, you know, with, with, our, with our coaches or maybe our administration, we're not quite at the level yet where um, you know we'd give fans as much access as, as, as those players mm. um, sort of do. But yeah, I was in an interesting little take, and I obviously read a few. Sort of a couple of lip readers on the audio and what they were actually talking about, but um, no, he clearly didn't seem happy about it. Do you think the the AFL is moving in a way similar to the EPO in terms of like the the marketing and the sort of the the way the the league is these days? Do you think the AFL sort of taken a line out of the EPL? 
yeah, I think I think I'd love it. I'd love the players to to do it more. I'm not too sure like about the coaches and, and whatnot, but mm. I think the AFL in general and and the media and our, you know the media department um, of every club would would love players to to give fans and, and, and their club more access. I think a little bit not not unfortunately or fortunately depends on what you look at it. But there's, there seems to be like a you know tall poppy syndrome with with, with the AFL and yeah. um, guys put themselves out there. Uh, a little bit in, in Australian sport, yeah, I guess in general, where you put yourself out there a little bit and get, you get chopped down from people around you, where in, in the Premier League sort of, or, or any, you know, sport in, in the NBA particularly and, 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 and soccer, the guys sort of tend to do it more and don't, everyone sort of does it, you know what I mean? But in Australia, yeah. there's only probably one or two, um, you know, athletes who, who do it really well and, and um, it'll be interesting to see over the next few years how much it actually changed or was accepted internally. Yeah, it's definitely going the way of the, the Premier League and, I suppose, football or soccer, but definitely not at that point yet. Yeah, and then with the Premier League in terms of the media coverage and as an athlete now, Stephen, just dealing with that pressure, do you think the media pressure will build and build as AFL gets more popular and it grows and grows like the Premier League has? Because, I mean, the Premier League players are under such scrutiny and just how do you deal with that as an athlete? Yeah, I, I, I think it will. I think it'll get to, it'll get to a point where... Uh, they are tra- changing and trying to become like other sports. I think it's, it's a good thing for both parties, actually. And, and, and um, you know, you can look at pressure two ways. And, um, you know, obviously with the, with the Premier League, as well, the players get paid better than any other league in, in Europe. So, um, you know, they, they take that as well with, with what comes with, you know, any out of pressure, um, a bit of what it is. So who do you reckon is going to win the Premier League this year? Well... I hope, I hope not Liverpool. Oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> Bryce doesn't like that. Been waiting long enough, surely. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I, I, I think when it gets to sort of December, January, I, I can't see um, anyone being able to keep up with the City, yeah. maybe purely because of, you know, they're just their squad um, and, and how well it's been formed and the way sort of Pep goes about it all in that period. Um, I, I still think City, I like, I like what I see with Chelsea. I don't think they can win it, but... Um, either City or Chelsea, uh, City or Liverpool. Yeah, I mean Chelsea's obviously got Sari over from uh, Napoli, and he's been doing quality over there. But what about Champions League? Who do you think? Do you think Juve can uh, break that drought and get um get the Champions League win they desire with Ronaldo there? I think they can, but uh, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it maybe you know took them two two years or maybe even one more after that, I'd like for it to click in in yeah. general. And you see with that league, it's it's, it's so hard to. Um, keep keep up, and you know what? A little half an hour, or fifteen minute period can cost you. You know your, your, your spot when it gets to the knockout stages. So, um, you know, I'd love to say they will, but there's just so many quality teams. And, and when it gets to that latter end, of, latter end of the season with injuries and whatnot, it's, it can just it can just change quickly. Absolutely. I mean, I guess it'd be it'd be pretty ironic to see Gigi Buffon go to PSG and win it with them this season. I'm sure all Juventus fans <laughs> oh, won't be happy man. about I think that. Everyone would be <laughs> gutted about that. <laughs> We'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, But Steve, look, we'll leave it there, mate. Appreciate, very much appreciate your time here on the Shooting Zars podcast. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hello, I'm Ivan Franich, and you're listening to Shooting Zars podcast. Stephen Killian, what a good guy for joining us here on the podcast, Bryce. Yeah, fantastic. And um, just give quick shouts to Adam Carter for uh, helping us out with that. It was great to have a chat with Stephen. Yeah, thank, thank you big fan of Perth Glory and Juventus. So Clearly, and, and Portsmouth as and well. And Pompey, yeah, big Pompey man. How does that make you feel, Al? Yeah, fantastic that they've got support all around the world, <laughs> even in the AFL. It's fantastic, like <laughs> I said. Very much so. All right, let's go to Arsenal before we uh, have to finish this one up. But 
Um, how good are they? Nine wins in a row now. I mean, against what opposition? Yes, well, I can tell you what opposition they've got those uh, nine results against. I mean, since losing to Chelsea uh, 3-2 at Stamford Bridge, they've beaten West Ham, Cardiff, Newcastle, Vosclar, Everton, Brentford, Watford, Carabag, and now Fulham. So it's not exactly the mightiest opposition, but at the same time, it's Arsenal beating whoever's been put in front of them in the past nine results, and they're just outside the top four now. So it's, it's looking real rosy for the, for the Gunners and Emery's made a big impact already. Getting the job done. It's nice to see, and I think that's one thing, that's where Man United have been criticised. They've not been consistent against poor teams. They slip up to Wolves at home, draw 1-1. They lose to West Ham away. You know, they were expected to be um, young boys and stuff, but, you know, they've just not performed consistently. Yeah, yeah, consistently like Arsenal have. Yeah. And, yeah, look, the opposition hasn't been great, but I don't think Arsenal, under Emery now, different regime, everything's changed. I think the fans would have been a bit more relaxed at the start of the season and said, look, we'll see how it goes. They lost the first two games against Man City and Chelsea. I think you'd you'd probably say, oh, that's you'd what not what you'd expect. You'd want them to pick up points there, but you're not too disheartened by it because it's tough opposition teams who have, have doing have started really well. Um, and I think for them now to come back and and pick up nine wins in a, in a row and build that confidence can only you know put them in a great step forward now going further when they do come up against a tougher opposition. Yeah, for sure. And I think it was a five-one away win at Craven Cottage, and now Fulham aren't. They're struggling a bit so far after Maybe coming up bad in the though. Yeah, they're, they're teetering around the uh, relegation zone now with five points. Uh, tallied only with the one win. But it, the scoreline did suggest a very lopsided contest, but I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Obviously, it's a great spectacle at Craven Cottage, such an old traditional ground. But the first half was class. It was open, entertaining, expansive, and it was just Arsenal really, you know, the Arsenal was sloppy early on trying to play out from the back, and Burnt Leno was starting in goals, and he looked really good with his feet. It was more the fullbacks, Monreal and Bellerin, giving the ball away a couple of times, but they were just, Arsenal were very clinical in this game. Nope. Very clinical. Yeah, look, we've, we've talked about the Liverpools, we've talked about the Man Cities, um, we've talked about Mourinho's and Pogba's and things like that and we've said it already on this pod that Arsenal have slipped under the radar Big time. and they've done really well and I think you know it's taken the pressure off Emery and he's allowed to build this confidence within the squad not as much as a microscope it seems and that's it but the worst thing is now that people will start talking about yeah. Arsenal and that that could come back you know when the pressure starts coming but it'll it'll be interesting to see how that's handled under a new manager I think and I think nine wins is nine wins irrespective of yeah. nine wins in a row is nine wins in a row irrespective of the competition yes Nothing to be been. laughed at at no. all. No, um, but I think this pressure, this whole pressure thing, will be interesting to see what happens because under Wenger you didn't back him at all, but under Emery, the you know you got more confidence in this team so far. Yeah, and then I, I just think that it's great to have Arsenal in this conversation again. They're mm. a, tra- a side that's traditionally been always up there and been very exciting to watch and been top class. And I think what kind of characterised that kind of old Arsenal creeping back in their style of play was with all the transfer speculation regarding Ramsey, he did his stocks no harm at all by creating and finishing one of the best team goals I've seen in recent years. Holy Hector moly. Bellerin's little oh, back flick, Ramsey's chip to start, it goes yep. out wide and Ramsey does another flick to finish it. It was phenomenal stuff. Yep. Real champagne football. Yeah, it was one of the best build-ups um, yeah, in do recent memory. F- yeah, do yourself a favour and that's, watch that goal if you haven't seen it already. That's still a major talking point though whether Aaron Ramsey will yeah. will be, have a future at the club because I think the club have... I don't know whether they've come out and said, but I don't think he's obviously asking for ridiculous wages and they're not willing to, to meet those at the, moments and that, at the moment. And that's why maybe 
contract negotiations or so they say he wants his one big contract yeah. yeah definitely a big talking point over the next yeah. couple of months yeah um Gilfie Sigurdsson's goal. Cruyff turned top corner. What do you reckon? Class goal of the, the year ice. contender. Yeah, class from the ice. Though, Definitely goal of the weekend for me. Up there with Ramsey's, for sure. Yeah, Ramsey's my favourite though, for sure. But like that's individual the, brilliance, the technical ability of Sigurdsson there. Because he does the and Cruyff who did, turn. Who did he leave for dead there? Was it Madison? Yeah, it was. He'd just been called up to the England squad. Yeah, yeah. Just it was brought him back down to earth slightly. Big didn't time. It? Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't yeah. seen big the time. highlights from the weekend, go see. Aaron Ramsey's goal for Arsenal and Gilby Sigerson's two of the best. And also Neil Warnock uh, having a crack at Harry Kane from the sidelines. For me, that was spectacular viewing. It's Neil Warnock we are all know and love. <laughs> in full motion, in full swing. And Harry Kane's responded publicly saying, get out of here. Because that's the big debate now with players trying to get other players sent off. And Warnock clearly feels Kane did yeah. his part in getting his player sent shocking, off in that match. Shocking tackle by Joe Rowles. And I don't think it would have really entered the mind of the referee Harry Kane's reaction making a bigger deal out of it it was a shocking challenge very clear red card very much so and finally the teams occupying the 6th and 7th position in the Premier League Oof. after 8 games is uh, Bournemouth and Wolves Yeah, it's, Wolves it's, unbeaten in 6 and Bournemouth's biggest away win on the weekend and best Premier League start ever great to have a club from the Midlands kind of up there again in the Wolves and then a South Coast is in Bournemouth the Cherries are on fire beat, beat Watford at Vicarage Road 4-0 on a Watford side that had had been, you know, running hot, but I feel like their kind of early season success is kind of coming to a crashing halt in the past few weeks. I mean, they were reduced to 10 men after Cabasale got his second bookable offence, I think 32 minutes in or something, so they were under the under oh. the cosh there. But just, yeah, I think Callum Wilson's on fire. Again, he's doing bits for them. It's 26, or he's already scored three, and his record in the Premier League is like eight, I think. So, I mean, it's gonna, it could be a big season for him and Bournemouth in that Europa League spot. I mean, if Eddie Howe gets Europa League spot, I mean, it'd be a massive achievement for the club. When's he going to get recognised and get spoken about? Does he for need, does he need to get into Europe or like to go to a bigger club, do you think, for Eddie Howe? I think it doesn't do his you know, reputation and kind of stocks any harm if he if he cracks Europa League. I think it'd be a huge thing he'd have under his belt. Yeah, it's good keeping a, a small club in the Premier League and doing so well as a young manager, but having that, it's like, it's it's effectively a trophy, I think, a I young, think for them. Being a young English manager as well, I think it, it just goes against them so much. Like You've got like Sean Dyche, you know, other managers as well who are English, and it, and it just goes against them, I think. I, th- I don't think the, the big clubs look at them you know to take them on board and and it's it's harsh i think at times because they do do well with the clubs they've got and you know yeah it, it's it's great to see though a young yeah, manager is. thriving in the premier league at the moment and if they can sustain this it, i think it'll be something that it'll be a bit of a legacy for eddie howe at, at such an early age as well absolutely well done guys that was episode 10 of series two of the shooting stars podcast massive weekend of genuine talking points here which was Unbelievable. Yeah, and then we've got the international break. International break. And we're not really going to comment on this, but this is what Jürgen Klopp had to say about the the Nations League, the new initiative that we spoke about a few weeks ago. The boys, unfortunately, go now away again and have to play Nations Cup games, um, the most senseless competition in the the world of football. (laughs) Damning. Bit to think about. But thank you very much for listening. Like I say, like, subscribe to us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, send us an email if you want. We will be on Sport FM 91.3 Thursday night at 8 o'clock as well. I'm Stuart Marshall with Alex Grant and Bryce Conway. We'll be back next week. Here comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for you!